The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to the SB Nation NFL Show. Welcome specifically to Monday Football Monday. It is Monday, July 24th, 2023, and it is officially time for football. We're going to say that, I think, a thousand times between now and the start of the regular season because training camp and then preseason, uh, there are all sorts of commemorations for football starting, uh, but this is one of them here on Monday Football Monday. As a reminder, please listen to our show wherever you get uh, access to podcasts. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show. Leave a rating rider view those things help us out so much you can watch us live on youtube uh i don't know if it's twitter or x at the time that you're listening to this but you can watch us there you can watch us on facebook uh subscribe like whatever x is calling it um that uh that fills our heart with joy a reminder before we go any further that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the nfl download the DraftKings sportsbook app today and use code sbnfl for a special offer when you sign up that is code sbnfl only a DraftKings Sportsbook. My name is RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's Blog and the Boys, where we are covering the 2023 World Champion Dallas Cowboys. The fantastic Rachel Prevet is on the ones and twos as always, and we have a very special guest host here today, live from the confines of Orlando. It is the one and only you read him at SBNation.com covering, I would say sports, uh, but it really extends beyond that more often than not. The one and only JP Acosta. JP, thank you so much for sitting in here. Uh, today is the day of initials, RJ, JP. The J is kind of the middle of our Venn diagram. Yes, it is. It is the meeting point for both of us. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm really excited because, you know, football is starting back. It feels like we have had so much time in the offseason to get off so many nonsensical, hilarious, wild takes that now we have actual, well, not actual, but kind of football being played. So that will distract us for at least a good couple of weeks. Exactly. Um, we're past the point of having to kind of come up with like silly ways to talk about the NFL. Like now we can just talk about, you know, the NFL, uh, but we're not completely out of the woods. I do want to ask you an NFL related question in a silly way, if you'll allow me. Um, if you had to um, equate the first three quarterbacks taken to this year's NFL draft, Bryce Young with the Carolina Panthers, CJ Stroud of the Houston Texans and Anthony Richardson to the Indianapolis Colts. If you had to equate them to the original Pokemon starters, who is Charmander, who is Squirtle, who is Bulbasaur and why? Oh, man, this is a good one on the spot. I think I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson as Charmander. I think great selection. The, fi the firepower, you see it immediately with Anthony Richardson. Being 6'4", 245 pounds, and being able to run a 4'4", and throw the ball as, as far as he can with the touch and the pocket movement that he has, you can, you can see why you can, you can turn him into a potential superstar at the NFL level. But there is sometimes with firepower, there's not a lot of control yet. And Anthony Richardson just doesn't have that kind of control yet. Um, well done. I think for CJ Stroud, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Bulbasaur. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Man. Bulbasaur for CJ Stroud. Some someone had to be Bulbasaur. I feel really sorry for I, CJ Stroud. I feel kind of bad because I don't know if it kind of matches up to the level of prospect that I thought CJ Stroud was, but he is arguably the safest QB prospect that came out of the draft this past year. You know, you get Bulbasaur, you know, you know what you're getting. You're not going to get a very, you're not going to get a bad 
starter. I don't think it's going to be one that multiple multiple people choose. They see the firepower and go for that, or they see the cool water tricks with Squirtle, like as in Bryce Young, and they go for that. But Bulbasaur is just as good as in any other right. I think CJ Stroud is just as good as both of those guys, and he's potentially set up for success right away in Houston. And then Bryce Young, I have Squirtle, the cool water stuff. He might be he might be small. He is very small, but he has the ability to create outside of his frame. He has the ability to his pocket awareness and spatial movement is really what kind of stands out. And that's something, you know, with the Bruce Lee quote, be water. You, you can flow. You can do whatever, whatever you can. You can adjust to any situation. That feels like a Bryce Young. That feels like a squirrel move to me. So those are the top three. I think I think I pretty much nailed it. Well done. Well done, JP. That was incredible, especially for being on the spot. Um, I would add some people had said that CJ Stroud had the highest floor. Um, there is a train of logic. I'm sure you're well aware of that. Bulbasaur is the best starter to pick if your goal is to beat the game uh, just because of the first gym that you face. Um, were you a red or blue version? Player? I was I was a blue. Mm, you know, you can't. You can't bat a thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, you like know, everyone yeah. knows that red was superior. Um, so that's okay. Um, I guess that leaves uh Hendon Hooker or Will Levis to be Pikachu, just kind of trailing Ash uh, around the, the entire NFL. But you know, that's a question for another day. Um, today, uh, we are going to go through 10 questions, storylines, et cetera, et cetera, that we are excited to kind of see unfold what with training camp now beginning. I know that some teams um cheated and got ahead of the curve last week and started. It doesn't really count in my mind. Like, I don't care if I saw like a highlight of Joe Burrow walking around or whatever the Lions are doing at this point in time. This is the week. I mean, if Good Morning Football is back today on Monday, that means that it is officially football season. Uh, so that means that this is the official commemoration of training camp across the entire NFL. JP, you are our guest. That means you get to go first. Uh, what question are you hoping to have answered, uh, whether it's today, tomorrow, at some point in the near future? So my first question, I'm going to go out to San Francisco, and I'm going to ask who is playing quarterback. I think that is the <laughs> biggest question in the NFL this season. You look at the Niners roster, I mean, there's not a lot of holes on that roster outside of who is actually going to play quarterback. You know, Brock Purdy had a fantastic rookie season by last pick in the NFL draft standards, but coming off the UCL injury and you have a healthy Trey Lance, who I have to remind a lot of people, we still have not seen a full season of Trey Lance in a Kyle Shanahan offense with Christian McCaffrey. I feel like there is still a lot of uncharted territory with Trey Lance in that offense. He hasn't really played much. So I think we're going to learn a lot about both Trey Lance and the quarterback situation and what Kyle Shanahan thinks of his quarterbacks going into this season during camp. We're going to figure out who's going to be QB1. It could drag out all the way through the entire preseason, but I think we're going to figure out who is QB1 for the Niners? That's the biggest question that I have in, in the NFL in general. And don't bring up Sam Darnold. That is not – don't gaslight me into thinking that Sam Darnold is going to be a real thing. You don't buy that at all? Like not even like low – stock. like if it gave you like, you know, a, a thousand to one odds. Like you're not you're not betting on Sam Darnold no, at all? Not, not – I wouldn't bet a single dollar on Sam Darnold being the starting quarterback. The thing about it is Sam Darnold is pretty bad. I think that's just that's the entire thing. I think I know we have the Kyle Shanahan like he can turn any quarterback good. I just don't want to see Sam Darnold in this offense with Kyle Shanahan at all, unless it's to the point where both Purdy and Trey Lance are injured. I feel like that's the only reason that you sign a Sam Darnold. I do think we're reaching a point, and I know that people use this analogy a lot, um, but with the Kyle Shanahan glow up for quarterbacks, where it's like uh, Nick Saban's offensive coordinator, right? Like, like he, you can resuscitate and revive the career of anybody at this point. And Sam Donald is like the primary beneficiary of that. Obviously, Brock Purdy kind of rode that wave um, to a different degree. Trey Lance is the only dude who like actually gets no benefit, <laughs> despite the fact that he's the like um, highest original stock value, whatever draft status. Um, it's interesting that he's the one who's kind of hated on the most. I will say, like, I think this is a very relevant question, but um, so I mentioned I obviously cover the Super Bowl 57 champion Dallas Cowboys, uh, and I know full well because I cover them that this the question or the answer really is insignificant. Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, my team has been very good. I think you would objectively agree each of the last two years, and they lost to this team quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo and the aforementioned Rock Purdy. Like, does it does it really matter? Like, is it going to sway your opinion one way or another on whether the Niners are going to be good if it is Lance or Purdy or, God forbid, Sam Darnold? 
I think it does because it takes them from not only being, oh, you can win the NFC to, oh, this is a, you can win the Super Bowl. I think the Niners with Jimmy G, with Brock Purdy, they have been, oh, we can win in the playoffs with these guys because that's how good Kyle Shanahan is. But I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to have a quarterback that he has to use or play like Madden all the time. I think that's why they traded up for Trey Lance. I, I think going back, I believe it was 2020, when the Niners played the Bills and Josh Allen just destroyed them in every way possible. Right. I think that was the moment where he was like, yeah, we need to get an actual dude in here at quarterback because it makes his job a lot easier. So I think it's it's a little insignificant because of how good Kyle Shanahan and the skill positions are for the Niners, but making the right choice at quarterback separates you from the team that you were last year to – you can win you can win the Super Bowl and you are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I don't mean to gaslight you further, but I'm still not letting go because it does feel like uh the proper stars are aligning for Kirk Cousins to be their quarterback in 2024. <laughs> um so I mean, but like is that not like can you rule that out at this point? You can't. Like it's it exists within the realm of possibility. I don't think you can rule it out, especially because of like the the Kirk, the Kirk, the Kirk vibes give very much are a like a Shanahan like mm. Shanahan style quarterback that he's used to winning with. You know, I think that's the difference. He's used to winning with quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins. I just don't know if a 36 year old Kirk Cousins would be the guy that you could say like, yeah, we're gonna go get this guy and we're gonna win the Super Bowl because we don't know if Kirk Cousins can do that now. What makes you think he's gonna do that at age 36? I'm higher on Kirk than most. Uh, you mentioned the Kirk vibes. They are stronger than usual. What with um, the kind of, you know, fallout or aftermath of the quarterback series that Netflix did. Um, a lot of people, I think, kind of, you know, buying low on Kirk. There's You never have to buy high, uh, to be very clear, on Kirk Cousins. I bought very low uh, and my stock has aged well. I'm, I'm happy about that. But uh, a good question to start us off, JP. Um, we have 10, so we do have to kind of like, you know, hurry up a little bit because if we don't, we'll be here for like three hours. And I don't think <laughs> we want that. Uh, my first question is somewhat topical um and just somewhat frank uh what is going to happen with all of the running backs that are pissed off um now i should mention um that a little bit before we started recording the buffalo bills running back naheem hines uh, was reported by nfl network he's going to miss the entire season just kind of like a casual he's going to miss the entire season report from tom pelicero um but so um t's and p's up for naheem hines but we're in a world where the running backs feel slighted um i don't I don't know what the answer to this is, JP. Like, I feel like everyone involved is is right and fair in their position. Like, NFL teams are fair and not wanting to pay the position for obvious reasons. Running backs are fair in their position and being upset about this because it, it does feel like a, a horrible situation for them. But I don't know, you know, what the answer is. But uh, they reportedly held their Zoom call um, over the weekend. Uh, again, I don't know what, like, they can come up with. Like, are, are they going to hold out, like, collectively? Like, you know, I, I just don't know what happens here. Does this just kind of fade into the abyss? So I really do wonder what's going to happen, especially coming off of that Zoom call where we don't know what actually happened on the Zoom. But I, I believe there are reports today that Josh Jacobs has left Las Vegas. He is That's not right. going to be reporting the training camp and he still hasn't signed his franchise tender. Um, Saquon Barkley hasn't signed his franchise tender. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I don't think there's going to be any short term change. Like, I don't know if they can get anything fixed for this year. and. Honestly, until the new CBA comes around in 2030, I don't know how much is going to be changed. You know, I feel like, like you said, both sides are right. And that's kind of where we're kind of where the problem is. There is no blatantly wrong construction of an argument. I believe that the, it's tough to say, but the deterioration of the running back as they get older because they just take so many hits. That's why a lot of teams believe that you can just go get a new one. But with one of some of the top tier running backs like Josh Jacobs, like I say, Quan Barkley, those guys are singularly important to their respective franchises. Josh Jacobs changed the folk, changed the offense once they started giving the ball to him a lot more. We've saw, we've seen what the Giants did around a Saquon Barkley-centered offense. Daniel Jones does not run for 700, 800 yards without all the attention that Saquon Barkley had uh, against him. So it's going to be really interesting to see what, what goes on, what happens in the coming weeks. But I, I'm just not sure if there's going to be any short-term solution that's going to happen right now. 
I'm glad you brought up Josh Jacobs reportedly leaving Las Vegas. And again, totally empathize with Jacobs, with Barkley. Uh, Tony Pollard um, of my team was also given the franchise tag. He's the only one who has signed it. So he'll be at training camp. There won't be any drama on that front, um, you know, at least. Um, but again, if if I was advising, like if it was, if they came to the RJP firm, right, for, for advice, for counsel, whatever, I think we would say, dude, you got to sign this tag. Like there's no guarantee in your future. Like it's a horrible market. It's horrible for your position. Um, I hate to just kind of say it is what it is, but like you've got $10 million guaranteed. Like there's very, very low likelihood that in 2024, you're going to get a contract that, you know, averages $10 million a year. There are a handful of running backs who make more than that currently, but I think you and I both agree they're much closer to the end of their current contract situations. Christian McCaffrey, kind of the exception to this whole thing. Alvin Kamara, obviously in a different situation at this moment in time. Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, and Aaron Jones, who restructured his deal to stay with the Packers because of the climate of the market. So I, I think that's where I don't want to say Saquon and, and Jacobs are playing this poorly, but I think Tony Pollard understands and recognizes like, hey, I've got, you know, a bird in the hand. I, I don't need to chase two in the bush right now because of all the circumstances surrounding me. So I think it's interesting, especially when it comes to the franchise tag value, because if you look at what Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley did last year, you could say they're a lot, they're worth a lot more than that guaranteed money that's going to come with the franchise tag. However, it's just not going to be like entirely sure that you're going to make that same amount of money going forward. So I think I would say to sign the tag for just this year, because I'm not sure how much is going to change in terms of running back value from this point right now to July 24, 2024. I'm not sure how much is going to change until, like I said, the new CBA comes around in 2030. Mm -hmm. um, JP, if you'll forgive me, um, I'm going to go again. Um, and Rachel, I'm going to get rid of one of my questions because I'm going to evolve into a new one. Um, so this is the Charmeleon. Um, I forgot the middle Squirtle version. Uh, Charmeleon, Ivysaur, and help me out on Squirtles. Uh, War Turtle. Thank you very I was going to say War Turtle. I I, I should have gone with my instincts. Uh, but either way, um, sticking with that kind of Honolulu blue, um, this question is about the Detroit Lions. What's going to happen? Are they going to live up to the hype? Kind of uh, really more associated with some breaking news that we have here on Monday Football Monday. Um, today, JP Lions safety, new Lions safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson suffered a potentially serious non-contact knee injury oh. during practice and had to be carted off of the field without putting pressure on his leg. Uh, this was first reported by Dave Burkett, obviously covers the Lions. Um, now national sources jumping on the news. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, as Rachel knows, uh, made some some headlines last week um, going after Philadelphia. Uh, he's been very vocal uh, this entire offseason. Obviously didn't uh, seemingly get the deal he wanted from the Eagles, went to the Lions uh, in free agency. The Lions have a lot of hype around them. So this this question is, I guess, about them now. Uh, what, what they're, This is the first kind of real obstacle to face anyone this season. It's only Monday. It's not even 10 a.m. Central. Yeah, I mean, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I think it was an interesting signing, especially because they went out and drafted Brian Branch, who kind of does the similar style of thing to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but I believe he was going to play a lot more deep safety with Brian Branch playing nickel. So I just wonder now, what does that defensive back depth look like? for Detroit. I think that was one of their bigger issues last year because they just they didn't have a lot of bodies back there who were able to play in that style of defense. So I do wonder what that defensive back depth is going to look like. I wonder how how the improvement from the second year players like Aiden Hutchinson is how is that going to improve their pass rush? You know, I think they still need a lot of they they need more juice from that defensive front to help kind of turn up that defense a little bit, but offensively, they should be, once again, a buzzsaw because, because of how schematically, how teams are playing with lighter boxes, lighter bodies up front, Detroit's going the other way, saying like, okay, you want to play with a bunch of 270, 280 pound guys up front, we're just going to take our 330 pound linemen and lean them on you for the entire game, and we'll get six yards of carry. So I think that's going to be, the offense is once again going to be a buzzsaw. I think Missing Jamison Williams is going to take a lot of that speed, that vertical explosive threat away for like the first six games. But the hope is that maybe Denzel Mims can be that. I don't know. I don't know what Denzel Mims actually is right now. I don't think anybody does. But if we're just going off of what he was in college, he can be the vertical, ex the vertical threat. But we just don't know what's going to happen with that right now. But the offense should be fine. They should be relatively fine. Um, I've long been 
hesitant to jump on the Lions the way that most have. Uh, maybe that's just me being like old and crotchety. Um, I also um, I don't like when everybody likes a thing. Like I don't know if that makes me a hipster. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm just kind of been like, huh. like I I do think we've given the Lions a really large benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I'm still in a little bit of like prove it to me mode. You know what I mean? And I recognize like they're better than like you know the conventional narrative um, would, would would sort of you know suggest, but. I, to your point, they've already like before, you know, again, before lunchtime on the East Coast uh, on the first Monday of training camp week, they are down Jamison Williams for six games at least. And, you know, seemingly Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And so that is a tough kind of situation to find themselves in. Um, so all the kind of like extracurriculars that they've added, um, plus they took a running back in the first round of the draft. You know what I mean? Like they've, you know, their stock, I think, has has taken a bit of a hit. Um, so I'm very interested to see how they survive. I did roll my eyes on Sunday uh, when I got the Bleacher Report notification that Dan Campbell was like doing up downs or whatever it was. Like I'm just I'm sick of that JP. Like those I don't. Are, those up downs are weak. Those are weak up downs. He wasn't even going all the way up. Nobody. I know. Going but all the way up. I'm just so tired of it. Like I'm so tired. Like we don't have to take the low hanging fruit. Like pick the other fruit. I'll eat the other fruit. But like we don't need this low hanging stuff all the time. It's weak to me. But see, um, I so, want to see Dan Campbell running stadiums. That's that's a real coach, right? Dude, there. no, I'm sick of that. Like Robert Sala runs stadiums. Like enough. Like we don't need this anymore. Like just do something original, please. <laughs> all right. I don't need to hear that. You know. Iron sharpens iron, and, and I don't need to see you running up and down or anywhere on stadiums, on Earth, or Neptune, or anywhere. Nothing. No running from any coaches, ever. Um, that's my position. <laughs> um, okay, that, I got that question in um, just because of the breaking news. Your second question, please. So I'm going to go from one quarterback situation that might actually be for a very good team to a quarterback situation who for a team that might not be good, but we don't know. And that is, who's going to play quarterback for Tampa Bay? And I think this is a very interesting kind of scenario because if you look at Tampa Bay's roster outside a quarterback in the division that they are in, they can make a run to win this division with the right choice at quarterback. You know, you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That offensive line is still going through a little bit of a, a little bit of a change. You know, I think they're still kind of reeling from the Ali Marpet retirement. Donovan Smith is gone, but he didn't play very good last year. Defensively, they're going to miss Shaq Barrett, who is still recovering from Achilles' injury. But they should still be very talented. And I think their choice at quarterback is going to say a lot about what they think of their roster and how they how they can win in 2023. Dave Canales comes over from Seattle where, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Shane Waldron kind of revived Geno Smith's career. So the hope is, you know, with the two quarterbacks that they have there, and Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, with Baker Mayfield, you can kind of revive his career into being a league average quarterback. I think I think Baker Mayfield played his best when he was in that Sean McVay kind of boot action offense where he doesn't have to, A, stand in the pocket because he can't see over the offensive lineman, B, make full field reads. He doesn't have to do that. But I still don't know what Kyle Trask is. Nobody knows what Kyle Trask is. I'm still in the belief that Kyle Trask is an NPC designed to suck for Tom Brady to suck life energy off of so he could play for another three years. I'm, I don't know what they're, what's going to happen at quarterback for Tampa Bay. But whatever they choose, they can still win this division in 2023. I think a lot of attention has gone towards the Panthers. It's gone towards the Falcons. But Tampa Bay, with the right quarterback choice, they can absolutely win this division. Uh, the Saints also picked up the early kind of run of attention in free agency with the Derek Carr signing, obviously. I mean, they, they easily have the best quarterback at the moment in the division. But, I mean, that's not saying a ton. Um, I almost was going to make one of my questions. Uh, will we ever hear from Mike Thomas uh, this season? But, I mean, we've kind of – we've sang that song too many times. Um, I guess – I mean, this is a question. It is fair. I just kind of feel like – um, I feel like I've sort of put the Bucks back in their box. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're pre Tom Brady box. Like they were never a team that like I was ever interested in. They were never a team that was like on national television. I've mentioned this many times um, when Gerald McCoy signed with the Cowboys. Um, he never played with them due to injury, unfortunately, but he was like, I'm so pumped. He was like, I've played on national television once in, in my NFL career. And it was against the Cowboys. Um, and so he was like, I, I get to play on it five times now. So like, I do feel like the Bucks are kind of like, sinking so to speak like the ship is back underwater um like i told you and rachel before I, I rode pirates of the caribbean at disneyland like this is where they go the the black pearl goes underwater you know what i mean um and so that's that's just who they are 
Um, I guess a big like the story for this team is really going to be, and it is dependent on the quarterback, is whether or not Mike Evans is going to hit his thousand yards. That's it. Like that's that's the only thing that like I really care about because he's an, an Aggie that I care about with with the Buccaneers. But I mean, like, are we really going to entertain the idea that Kyle Trask is going to beat out Baker Mayfield? Like, like, can you give like, you how hard do you have to squint to see that that possibility? It's very, very, very difficult. It's it's very slim. But again, we don't know what he actually like looks like in an NFL offense. We we are still very much kind of guessing with Kyle Trask. I don't know what he's going to look like. I think he this is going to be the first time he's played in this offense. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's a I don't think the odds are in his favor to win that starting job. I think he's going to get as much of a puncher's chance as John Wolford does. I think this it's kind of is a three quarterback race when we think about it because all these guys are backups last year. So it's going to be interesting. And I I do think whoever they choose is going to be real, real interesting for that offense because you look at it, Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, Russell Gage, those are a real solid three receivers for a quarterback to have. And then you had Kate Otten who, who played kind of well last year. Defensively, again, they're going to be very fast, very physical, as Todd Bowles' defenses always are. So I'm, I don't know if I'm talking myself into the Bucks right now. I don't think I am, but I'm talking myself into a scenario where, hey, maybe Baker Mayfield gets his swagger back a little bit and they win the division. I don't know. Um, I agree. I mean, they are the reigning division champions, uh, just to be clear. But so, okay. <laughs> Final point on this. I'll ask you this question. The Bucks do not play the Panthers until week 13. That is um, at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, and I say this all the time. Their Twitter. Well, I don't know if it's Twitter handle at this point, but uh, it's at RJ Stadium. So I am really partial to that. Uh, but so that game is there. It's week 13. Um, will Baker Mayfield be the Bucks starting quarterback for that game? And to be fair, he doesn't have had to have started every game prior. So it's just, will he be the starter that week? And two, um, will it be billed as a revenge game? Uh, Baker playing the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I think he's going to be the starter. I don't know how much of a revenge game everybody else is going to think it is, but to Baker Mayfield, that's absolutely going to be a revenge game. That is absolutely going to be, I'm going to show you why you shouldn't have traded me, or why you shouldn't have released me. He's going to try and like go for like 400 yards. He's going to go to Oklahoma Baker Mayfield. He's going to be like, doing the DX chop across the sidelines. He's absolutely going to think it's a revenge game while like 10% of that roster last year actually knew who he was. Well said. Okay. Um, I went two in a row last time. Let's get back on our normal pace. So that was your second question. What is your third question, JP? Things you want to have answered uh, this week or in the immediate aftermath? So I'm going to stick with teams who may or may not be good. Um, how much command does Bill O'Brien have over the Patriots offense? I think this is a very intriguing storyline in the AFC because the Patriots defense is stacked. That defense is going to rock this year. But I also think there's a larger point to, you know, there are rumors that Bill Belichick could be entering the hot seat. And while I'm not sure if that's 100% like non-crazy talk, but it, it does seem that it seems like Bill Belichick, the GM, is kind of handicapping Bill Belichick, the head coach. So I wonder how much Bill, the head coach, allows Bill O'Brien to have free reign over an offense that last year was run by the worst offensive coordinator tandem in NFL history. And if Bill O'Brien can get full control of that offense, it is worth it to see what Mac Jones and what those receiving weapons kind of look like in this offense. I think... They're not the best group of receivers, but they all have they're all complementary to each other. Juju Smith Schuster is the tough over the middle in between guy. You have Tyquan Thornton, who's going to be the vertical speed threat. Devontae Parker is going to be the outside the numbers kind of catch point receiver. And then Mike Kosicki is just a big slot. He's a he's a big slot. He's a I don't he's a tight end in name only. But it's worth to see how much Bill O'Brien can get out of Mac Jones. And if you can turn that into a team that could maybe make the playoffs or at least get back in the hunt. 
Yeah, I mean, this is obviously um, sort of like a make or break year if we're doing like make or break candidates for Mac Jones. And so it makes sense for to kind of put if you're going to put stock on him or, or, or place bets on him. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien is like the Nas for his his vehicle this particular season. Um, it's ironic because you're right, like Bill Belichick, the coach and Bill Belichick, the GM have kind of like blurred lines um, as of late. Um, the like pioneer for that is Bill O'Brien. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's kind of ironic that that's the person who's going to save him. But because of that, like I've. I've always thought like in a football sense, um, we are a little bit unfair to Bill O'Brien uh, because of like how disastrous the like front office things were in Houston. But I mean, like the offenses in Houston were amazing um, it, uh, for everything like broke, obviously. I mean, so like we don't give him that proper credit. Again, I'm not like positioning myself to say I think that the Patriots are going to like light the one on fire offensively. But I'm, I'm totally with you. Like it's not inconceivable that they could get their ducks in a row and like slug their way to like 10 wins. Um, I had to miss last week's episode on short notice. So a big shout out to Jeremy Reisman, Michael Peterson and Rachel for uh, saving me. My dog ate something and we had to take him to the vet. Um, thankfully, he was all right. And bears asleep on the couch right now. Um, but a, a question that they posited that we were going to talk about when I was going to be here came from uh, a follower, Lincoln Cook, uh, who sent me a message on Instagram a few weeks back, Lincoln Scott Cook. And he had asked, um, you know, a few weeks ago, JP, we did a conversation about who's the most likely to go from worst to first. We do that all the time in the NFL. And he was like, who's a candidate to go from first to worst? And a lot of the low-hanging fruit there um, is the Vikings or the aforementioned Buccaneers because they were so, you know, they were below 500. I think the Bills are, are kind of, you know, an underdog or, you know, a sleeper in that sense because we expect the Jets to be, you know, better. The Dolphins have been good. It's just a matter of whether that can kind of stay afloat. And if the Patriots kind of get their way together, then, you know, you could totally, I mean, maybe not totally, but it's conceivable that the Bills could regress that far back. And a lot of it is dependent on Bill O'Brien, to your point. This was a good question. Some Bill O'Brien love from J.P. Acosta here on Monday Football Monday. Who would have thought? Exactly, exactly. I think Bill O'Brien, the GM, kind of took out his own kneecaps as a head coach. And I think mm. we also have the um, the twenty up 27-0 and losing that game. We kind of have that as our lasting image of Bill O'Brien, the head coach. So it kind of blurs the vision a little bit, but it is worth seeing, like, hey, rookie Matt Jones wasn't that great. And that team made the playoffs. If you can get anything out of Mac Jones to this point, you could you could talk yourself into this Patriots team being in the playoffs because that defense is just that good. Hmm. Okay, well said. Um, uh, this is our fifth question. No, sixth, I think. Oh, I um, so um, I'm going to go ahead and ask it. It's really simple. It's plain and it's wide ranging. So you can take any direction that you want. Who will be the first person to get dragged? online that's my question like uh, you mentioned the kneecaps thing some people drag dan campbell for that um so like who will be the first person to say something silly something corny you know whatever um and and just get like completely and totally roasted whether it's a coach saying something ridiculous or a player maybe it's a running back you know what i mean like a take on running backs and contracts or whatever who's the first person who's your prediction so i would say um we kind of had that with Le'Veon bell comparing the running back situation to a bug's life but I'm gonna we go. also had Miles Sanders calling Andy Dalton a Hall of Famer. Like that yeah, was up there, you know, with this too. Underrated portion of what happened before training camp. But I think my pick is insert anybody from the Jets. I think that is that's just gonna be the first person to get dragged. There is far too many people that nobody likes on that team in terms of like the national view of them. You have Aaron Rodgers, who is has the potential to say anything that might potentially get him dragged for like a month on Twitter. Zach Wilson, who I don't know if anybody on his team likes him, let alone like anybody outside of his team. Um, and then you have Nathaniel Hackett, who I don't know what he actually does for the Jets right now. I think there were like there were, there were quotes from Alan Lazar saying like, "Yeah, this is the Aaron Rodgers offense," and that, so I'm kind of like, "What does Nathaniel Hackett do? Is he just there to like like make Chewbacca sounds to like get Aaron Rodgers to like laugh during meetings or something like?" He's like the school delinquent that's only in every class for like the high school like king to like get to uh, make fun of or laugh at. Anybody from the Jets is just going to be very, very easy to make fun of, especially because they're going to have hard knocks. And initially they were against hard knocks, but Robert Sala wore a T-shirt that said, I heart hard knocks or HK on it. I think it's just going to be very, very weird for the Jets this season because there's so many combustible elements right now that this could either like they could win the division and make a deep playoff run or this just completely falls falls apart and Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy next year. 
Yeah, I mean, combustible elements in like a combustible organization. You know, it's not like when Tom Brady joined the Bucks and it was like, you know, they didn't have like, like this track record of like, you know, ridiculousness. You know what I mean? Like, the, like this is like, this is Nirvana for that. Um, so that's a great pick. Um, my picks are, well, my first pick is somewhat related. Um, I was going to say somebody on the Green Bay Packers for some sort of like Jordan Love. Like, you know, I always think of, have you seen the movie Troy with Brad yeah. Pitt? Um, you know, after, uh, spoiler alert, I think the movie is like 20 years old at this point. Um, when Achilles' cousin impersonates him and he goes and fights and he dies, um, Eric Bana's character kills him. Um, and then they're telling Achilles and he's all pissed off. He's like, what, my cousin's dead? This sucks, right? And they're like, he wore your armor. He moved just like you. I, I always like think of that line. Um, and so I could like, couldn't you see somebody being like Jordan Love? He, he moves just like Aaron Rodgers, like, and that would get dragged, uh, for similar reasons. Like, it would be ridiculous. Like, you know, like, couldn't you see like Matt LaFleur being like, you know, I, I looked up and I thought it was 12 back there for a second, just something stupid like that. And like it taking off. Um, uh, that was my first suggestion. My second, um, is somebody connected to the Rams suggesting that they're back, um, or equating, um, they're like. What, what do they have, like 40 rookies on their team, um, you know, equating their young nucleus to like insert, you know, past previous NFL dynasty. Like, man, I don't know. I've got some 90s Cowboys vibes with with all the rookies <laughs> around here. Something like that. Those are my two candidates for people to get track. I think the I think the Rams one is funny, mainly because the Rams are probably going to be very bad. This They're going to be terrible. So, yeah. Having having someone before the season say like, yeah, we're back. You, you, guys, <laughs> you guys made a lot of jokes last year, but we have. Matt Stafford healthy, Cooper Cup healthy, Aaron Donald healthy, nothing else outside of that. But we are so back. Like it's gonna be so funny if if one of those players is like, yeah, we heard all the room, we heard all of the rumors, we read all the tweets, and we're just gonna, yeah, you should have because it's not gonna end well for you. That's a good suggestion too. Like somebody saying like, we heard the criticism, whatever. And then like, to your point, I'm going to be like, good. Like it was fair. Like it was, it was, it's still fair. Um, on the subject of the Rams, um, I mentioned good morning football. I heard Kyle Brandt say this morning that over the summer, I think it was Disneyland he went to. And he said he saw Aaron Donald. Um, and he was explaining the way Aaron, Aaron Donald, you know, again, if assuming this is Disneyland, it makes it all, all the more of a large point um was wearing a, a tank top or like a muscle shirt so like arms like full out showing um again and wearing a ram's hat so like no level of being inconspicuous you know <laughs> like just you know he's not the athlete who's like trying to blend in and like trying to not have people come up to him like I'll, like might as well wear your jersey aaron you know what i mean like you're just highlighting who you are yeah man if i see aaron donald in line for like space mountain i'm like yeah man go ahead y'all y'all got it <laughs> You, yeah, you, I don't, you don't need a lightning pass. You're good. Yeah, you uh, go go no, ahead, Aaron. You don't even need Genie. Just go ahead. Just go ahead yeah. and walk on up. This man is built like the Hulk. I don't know how anybody could just walk around and be like, oh, I wonder who that guy is. He must be famous. Um. Wow. Um. Okay, that was a good question. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. We're both three in. We both have two more. Um, JP, what is your question number four? So my question number four is which non-QB rookie makes an impact first? I think this last NFL draft, I think we had a lot of guys who can potentially make instant impacts at skill positions among the rookies. Like first think of Jackson Smith and Jigba out in Seattle. What they're going to do, I think Geno Smith was one of the best deep ball passers in the league last year, but where they lacked was that ability to create consistent five to seven yard Gains. I think that's where Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to help them a lot. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, you think of guys like Will Anderson, who's potentially going to be the court, who's going to be the cornerstone of that Texans defense, which is now led by D'Amico Ryan's. You think of guys who were potentially gonna make gonna make noise from outside of the first round. You think of like later later round draft picks. So it'll be interesting to see which non-QB rookie is going to make all the waves at first because that'll kind of tell us what these teams think of these players and how quickly they can get into get acclimated to the NFL. 
I think the answer is probably well, my answer isn't gonna be Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I that's my favorite answer. Um I love JSN. Um he's a man, um, has a cowboys tattoo, it's worth mentioning, just for the future. Uh that's that's like now and future content at Belong the Boys. Uh but anyway, um th- I love the Seahawks this year. I'm 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 quite frankly in love. I'm gonna pick them to win the division. Um, I don't care what San Francisco's gonna do. I'm feeling that bold. Um, because of Gino, like again, the pieces just kind of line up properly. And again, what if San Francisco goes the same Donald direction? You know what I mean? Like, what if they do this to themselves? You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, like, and I'm with you, like, we could totally see like, couldn't you see like a tweet or an X or whatever? I know I've made that joke a thousand times today, but like, uh, like Jay, like I don't care what it, like like a, a note from like a Seahawks beat writer, like I don't care what the depth chart says, JSN's the best receiver on the field right now. Couldn't you see that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could totally see that kind of like floating around. Um, and so like. And I think oftentimes this question lends to like what impact, you know, rookie landed on a contending team, you know? So like, because, you know, with with the pick that Seattle took JSN with, like, you know, they're a playoff team. They're right there. They're already very good. He's already in an offense that, uh, you know, just is kind of like a JSN away from being all the more great. Um, So that would be the pick I would make if I was being emotional, the pick I'm going to make if I'm being objective and fair. Um, And, you didn't define impact, but I think the the non-quarterback rookie whose name is going to be like the most known as training camp begins is maybe the one who's already the most known, and it's B. John Robinson. Um, I mean, it, that's the lowest of low-hanging fruit. We're also approaching like fantasy, you know, mock, you know, season extraordinaire. Like there's going to be all sorts of Bijan takes. So he benefits from the fantasy bump in terms of attention. He benefits from the current running back discussion bump in that like he's making the most cash this year of any running back. And he's the example of like just draft one in the first round, whatever. He went to the University of Texas. He's a household name. He's a super charming, personable personality. Like it all just kind of the spotlight of the and we're talking about who's going to win the NFC South. Could you not just see like them riding Bijan to like 350 carries and, you know, 1900 yards and the Falcons winning it? I think, I think there is a very, there's a very real scenario where the Falcons win the NFC South. I think Desmond Ritter, while he's still very much of an unknown, he has a lot of margin for error with this offense. Drake London is really, really good. I don't think it was shown a lot because Marcus Mariota really could hit the broadside of the barn, but he was really good. Kyle Pitts, as much as people like have oddly decided to hate on Kyle Pitts, he broke the rookie tight end receiving record like year one. He's still a very good receiver. B. John Robinson, it's been so funny how they've kind of, I don't want to say uh, <laughs> they uh, running back washed him, but they're, call- they're calling him offensive weapon, which is now like the in vogue thing to avoid calling him a running back. You just slap offensive weapon on him and you just go about the day. But I do think they're going to use him out, out wide. They're going to use him in the slot. They're going to use him in the backfield. And with that rushing attack of Tyler Algier, B. John Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Desmond Ritter doesn't have to do much. As long as he can keep the wheel steady for this offense, I could see them riding that to a division championship. Totally. Um, I also forgot, by the way, like along all the like your your points are way more substantial, but the like extracurricular look orbits around Bijan, he's wearing number seven. So he's like the Falcons number seven. You know what I mean? Like he just he has all of the juice going his way. Uh, the more and more I talk myself into it, the more it just makes more sense to me. Um, I, I don't want to give Madden any love because I'm really down on them and the way they make their game. But we are kind of at their mercy um, as consumers. And so my cousin and I have for like a, like 13 years, whatever it is now, we've done a connected franchise and I would have been the Falcons this year, except I'm going to be the Seahawks because I love Jason. Yeah. So um, they were that close to me. So um, great, great prompt right there from you. Are you ready for my fourth question? Ready. You did a non-quarterback. I'm going to do a non-NFL thing. Um, so I mentioned it. You cover the NFL for SB Nation, but often dip your toe into other waters. Um, so I'm going to ask you to do that here. What non-NFL thing will command attention during training camp for a brief moment that there will be like one moment in time where something in the sports world, you know, captivates us for a brief second and the NFL will get pissed off and announce like a hundred new primetime games and take the spotlight right back. But what will that thing be? So I have a couple and one I think is more likely than the other, but I have one answer. So I'm curious so, if you, mine's really easy, but you might have it too. So my first one is Damian Lillard gets traded. I think that is the, that is the one like, I think that's the one American sport that can legitimately well there there's another one maybe that possibly could have an effect but Damian Lillard getting traded would pause all of the NFL news cycle for a day um I think the next one 
or the next two that I have are kind of like they're kind of far fetched, but if they happen, they could probably like shut down like all of the NFL news cycle. First one is what if Shohei gets traded? That was like, mine. That was... If, if Shohei gets traded during training camp, like everything is done. Like we're we're stopping talking about the NFL right now. Like that's very clear. And then my last one is this is more international, but if Kylian Mbappe like if, <laughs> it's if a great great call too. If the, if he gets transferred like right now to Real Madrid, then he's pro- he's probably going to command a lot of that news attention for at least a few hours. Um, I think you you ordered these correctly because um, I think I think the Shohei one is the biggest, but I think the Dame one would would command the most like NFL Twitter or NFL X. Again, that's like the ninth time I made that joke. Um, so the the tenth time will literally be X. Uh, wow. Uh, so we're get, I'm excited for the next one. Uh, but uh, the Dame one, like the that's the most like the the biggest crossover I think exists between NFL and NBA fans as opposed to NFL and MLB. So yeah, and. I think the Dame one would be somewhat contingent upon where it was. Like if, if it was something strange, maybe it would be this kind of like, you know, air out of the balloon type thing. Um, and I guess that goes for Shohei too. Like if Shohei got traded to like the Yankees or something, that that would, you know, be the juice we needed for a conversation. Um, but yeah, I think those are great. The Mbappe one, you're right. Maybe not the most American attention, but it would, I think there would be like the general sports talk, like, segment like okay we're gonna do soccer talk for 15 minutes this guy Mbappe got traded and then you know so it would have attention in in a similar way they'd be like we're gonna stop talking about Miles Garrett's defensive player of the year odds for just 15 minutes to talk about Killian Mbappe so um that was a great job by you wow and you took mine mine was Shohei so very very well done JP see Um, I thought of Shohei like in the middle of talking about Dame and like oh this one actually makes a lot of sense What's the what's the like pinnacle of it then? Like because so Dame is your answer, but Dame to what? Miami? Dame to Miami would probably it would be the one that commands the most attention, but I also kind of feel like we're kind of tired of it at this point. We're like yeah, if, it, if it happens, it's like, oh, okay, like it finally happened. Whereas if Shohei gets traded, like I think regardless of where, it's like, oh wow, the best player in baseball just got traded and they're probably gonna sign him to a massive massive extension as soon as he gets there so i think that one's also kind of dependent on the team that he goes to like if he goes to the dodgers and like yeah that's going to command like everybody's attention i'm with you like the most like the worst case scenario here to your point would be like dame to miami show hated the dodgers and mbappe to real madrid because it would be like chalk 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 you know what i mean <laughs> so um it would still be cool but it would be kind of like a boring letdown at the same time um Okay, well, you know, we started really strong with that answer, and then it got kind of lame, and I got disappointed. Uh, so, okay, uh, last one first, JP, your fifth question. So my fifth question is actually Cowboys-centric. It is, Let's go! It is, what impact will not having Kellen Moore have on the Cowboys' offense? I think it is very – I think the Cowboys' offense, just the discussion around it, has been very funny to watch over the past few years that Kellen Moore has been the coordinator. It is whenever something goes good, it is Kellen Moore's idea. Whenever something goes bad, it is Mike McCarthy's idea. So now that Kellen Moore is gone, I do wonder, what is this offense going to look like? I think the offense last year was brutally efficient. It was working well, but they lacked, they felt congested. They didn't have a lot of explosiveness, whether that be from the lack of speed on the outside to the non-continuity, you would say, along the offensive line. It just lacked explosiveness. They lacked creation of big plays. Now you have Brandon Cooks. The offensive line should be healthier now. It's it's worth it to see, like, hey, maybe Kellen Moore was the problem. Like, I don't know how much faith I'm putting in a Mike McCarthy, Brian Schottenheimer offense. But if it's anything like the last time that Mike McCarthy commanded an offense, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball a lot. And he threw the ball often. So we're going to see very quickly how much the the change is going to both affect the offense and how successful this offense is going to be because the Cowboys, like, we we get tired. I think non-Cowboys fans get tired of hearing, like, oh, this is the year for the Cowboys, but this might actually be the year because the defense is going to rock once again. You have all the talent in the world offensively. Why not now? Like, it, it's got to be now. 
JP, I forgive you for having the blue version of Pokemon way back in the day. Um, that was uh, an amazing question and an amazing self-answer. Um, my favorite part of what you say is that is is sort of the you know narrative around Mike McCarthy. Uh, something I say often is that Mike McCarthy's biggest sin, uh, granted he's had his flaws, uh, is that he lost a PR battle to Aaron Rodgers. Like like nothing that Mike McCarthy has ever done in his life is is like worthy of credit, right? Like like no, nobody is willing to give him credit for anything, whether it was with the Packers or with the Cowboys, and he does things sometimes you know on his own accord that like lead to like furtherness into the meme um like when he like lied about watching all the film you know what i mean like pe people just like take that stuff and kind of apply it to him and to this offseason's point he said at the nfl combine he said we want to run the ball that's the only thing anybody heard mike mccarthy say all offseason despite the fact that literally one week later they cut zeke and traded for brandon cooks but he wants to run the ball like you know what i mean like totally like let's just you know let's just lean on that um I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was a fan of retaining Kellen Moore. I understand the need to kind of move on. I also, like, I don't know if this is the year. Like, I believe me, I've said that more than anybody. Um, but if the Cowboys had gone the entire Mike McCarthy era without seeing him call plays offensively, the dude who won a Super Bowl doing that, that would have been a failure. You know, like, that, that would have been dumb. And so, like, at the very least, we're going to learn. We're going to have an answer. Like, I, I hate to say this as, like, a focus group, but that's kind of what it is in some respects. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, it's worth mentioning that the Cowboys have not uh, not had Kellen Moore in their building since 2014. Um, he's been on the team in some capacity, whether as a player, initially as the quarterback's coach, and then as the offensive coordinator. And there were a lot of people who were upset. Oh, Kellen's gone. He was Dak's guy. Oh, no, Doug Nussmeyer's gone. He was Dak's guy. I'm Dak's guy. I love Dak. I'm a Dak guy. But I'm kind of of the position like, you know what? let's ruffle Dak a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe we can't just give Dak all of his guys all of the time. And I, I think Mike McCarthy's the only dude associated with the team who's willing to kind of ruffle anything. Uh, I think that that's kind of a, a kick in the pants that a lot of people within the organization have needed on some levels. Um, and I'm excited to watch his offense. I mean, he, people act like, oh, he's going to run the ball. This is going to be like Army Navy. Like, do we not have like 15 years of Mike McCarthy history as a play caller, as a West Coast offense? Like, we know what this is going to be. I mean, I don't know if it'll be that successful, but that's what they're going to be in theory. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason Mike McCarthy left Green Bay or was fired in Green Bay is because Aaron Rodgers threw the ball far too much and it just didn't work. So I do wonder, what is what is this offense going to look like with, Pat, with Mike McCarthy as the play caller, as the one calling the shots? You know, I think, the uh, like you said, he does kind of self-inflict these wounds. I think the, uh, the whole going to PFF and, like, locking himself yeah. in the basement <laughs> – that is, very, that is very much a self-inflicted wound. He was hoisted by his own petard there. But I do think that this offense needed something different. They needed a different voice. You know, I think we've seen what the Cowboys offense looked like with Kellen Moore. We've seen the pitfalls of it. You couldn't go on another year without, like, changing it up a little bit, especially now with Dak getting older. And like you said, I think Dak's really good. I don't think he needs all of his guys to be really good. I think he can be good by himself. So it is going to be worth seeing how how much this offense changes. What what will be different? Will this offense be less congested? Will there be more of an emphasis on the short passing? Will there be more of an emphasis on running the ball? We we haven't seen Mike McCarthy call plays in a minute. So it's going to be fun to see. It's been five years. Uh, it was 2018 uh, because he was fired that season. He missed all of 19 and then came back and obviously had Kellen Moore. Um, actually, this morning I saw a tweet from the great Bob Sturm. Um, I'm not going to make the reference because I want to save my 10th one uh, for the end of the show. Um, he referred to the Kellen Moore offense as trying everything and leaning into nothing. Um, so I'm excited to see, like, what is the thing you lean into? Um, what's, what's your, what's your forte? Um, so great final question from you, JP. Uh, it's time for my final one. Um, kind of a, a lame one, but you know, it's, it's a soft ending, soft landing. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, but my question is, will hard knocks actually rule? Um, I'm really excited about hard knocks. I feel like the football collective, we got what we wanted and that the jets are the hard knocks team like i know there were other eligible ones but we were like no like we don't we don't want it we don't need it you mentioned robert sala kind of leaning into it finally um will it like and by rule i mean will it be entertaining i, I think it will be like I, I think you know it might be hokey and silly but i think it will be entertaining more so than any other team has been in recent like i know the lions were fun but like again miss me with like i just did not enjoy it I'm, i want to be entertained i want some drama I, that's what hbo is i want box office drama 
See, I'm I'm gonna believe that this is gonna be entertaining, but for all the wrong reasons. I think this is gonna <laughs> this perfect. is gonna be a hilarious dumpster fire because everybody hates hard knocks. I don't think anybody on the Jets roster actually wants hard knocks to be around. And so I'm just thinking of like Aaron Rodgers just hiding from the camera every chance that he gets, or like shoving the camera away, like he's like some disgruntled lawyer leaving the courtroom. I do think it'll be entertaining to get more of Quinnen and Quincy Williams, though. I think that's going to be really cool. Quincy Williams is on the Jaguars for a minute. He is a Jets linebacker who is one of the best form tacklers in the NFL. That's a very niche football guy thing, but he is absolutely awesome as a tackler. And Quinnen Williams is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. They're brothers. So getting more to see more of that is going to be really fun. I'm excited, but I also think like there is very quick potential for this to turn into a dumpster fire, and we all like dumpster fires, so that's, that should be that's fun. That's what I'm saying. This is exactly what I'm saying. Like I just just entertain me. I don't care how that happens, but for one hour every Tuesday night for five weeks, entertain me. That's all I ask, and I feel like that's a very simple request. Um, okay, so great job you, great job us, uh, Rachel. If you could please join us, um, JP. You know that we always hand out the MF Double MVP, the person who had the best performance on the episode. Rachel is going to tell us her favorite things that you said, favorite things that I said, and then of course decide which one of us is better than the other by handing out the award. Also wanted to throw out there one that I kind of have on my own. There's something that I think everybody's going to be paying attention to is the Washington Commanders because they have so much going on. So like a vibe check with them under, you know, new ownership, trying to pay attention to what's going to happen with Chase Young, Ron Rivera, like he it's a prove it year season for him. And so just kind of like a vibe check for the commanders overall. Um, yeah. But all like looking at all of the ones from today, my favorite from RJ was definitely probably between the C.J. Gardner-Johnson one because it was timely. And I also really liked the one that you brought up about the non-NFL thing. I thought that one was fun. It was different. And, of course, he started strong with the running backs. I thought that was pretty strong as well. Um, JP, all of yours were heavy hitters in my opinion. (laughs) Every single one of them was top-notch. And like RJ already said, like the answer that you had um, about the non-NFL things, that one was very on point. And so shout out to you for that. But I think every single one that you did was phenomenal. And so today was pretty easy. I'm going to give it to JP. <laughs> That's right. First time MVP. This, Sorry, Artie. I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a speech prepared or anything. This, this is kind of a surprise. Oh, man. You know, shout, shout out to moms. I feel like Kevin Durant, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you the real MVP. <laughs> But yeah, but thank you. This this was a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun coming up with the questions and being able to kind of riff off of uh, RJ's questions as well. Uh, I'm happy for you, JP. Congratulations to you and your mom. Um, I I do feel like this was a little, at least in, in her words, a little too easy for Rachel. Uh, like that that hurts my my Very heart a little sorry. bit. Um, you know, <laughs> like again, like the the framing of that was like. And I agree with her, but JP, every one of every one of yours was phenomenal. Like RJ, you had some that sucked. RJ, you it had is. some that were terrible. Yeah. They were just not as strong. No, that's what the implication was, Rachelle. So I appreciate you for uh, for putting me in my place on this particular Monday morning, Rachelle. For what it's worth, your Washington Commanders one I thought was exemplary. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not gonna hand out the the demerits that you are. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was wonderful. Um. Rachel, um, I have three quick questions for you okay. uh, since you have the pulse on, on the Eagles fandom. Yeah. Uh, one, are Eagles fans still upset that Josh Harris has bought the Commanders? I think this is the silliest thing ever, JP. Some Eagles fans are mad because they also root for the Sixers right. and they feel like uh, Josh Harris is compromising his like city allegiance. Um, yes. So are, are they still upset about this, Rachel? Yeah. Because how do you is that fair to you? Who cares? That's so (laughs) ridiculous. I love Philly fans, man. This is is the dumbest thing ever, but it rocks. It rocks. I love I love the hatred. It feels like, and this is very much niche Disney reference. It's like when uh in Lion King 2, when Kobu came around, they were all singing he's not one of us now because he's a traitor. This, this is exactly what it's going to be like. They're going to have Josh Harris. They're going to show him in like on like one of the games, and he's absolutely going to get destroyed yeah. with booze. And it's going to be the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Um, wow. So that is strange. Uh, my second question, yes. Rachel, of three, um, is do you think Eagles fans are going to be 
um, cool about the Gardner Johnson injury situation, given the um, the ruffling that he did last week, because it feels like this is not going to end well. I've already heard a lot of and seen a lot of tweets and just comments. People are like, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, people don't want to see him get injured, but it's like karma. But this is what you get, you know, which is Yikes. terrible, but I've already seen it. So, yes, it's going to be a lot of that R.I.P. Bozo. Yes. Maybe. Wow. Uh, yeah. Tough times uh, for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, I forgot what my third question was. Okay. Rachel, if I'm being. Oh no. My actually, I remember now. Um, who? Where does Dame get traded if he gets traded? Um, uh, I don't know. You guys said you want to see him in Miami, or you don't want to see him in Miami. That just feels the most logical. I, I, I want to see him in Miami as a Miami Heat fan. I need him in Miami. This. I'm. This I'm independent. Fun. I'm a Spurs fan. I've got Wemby. I'm good. Like yeah. I really don't care yeah. about all this drama and silly stuff. But um, what? Where, what's your prediction? Like, like, what would you bet money on? Uh, I think I could see Miami. Why not? I'll go with that one too. Mm. I don't have anything okay, well, in my head. Um, you should tweet it or exit. Boom! That was there. We go. There's a. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, wow. Um. Well, congratulations to you, JP, on uh, the MF double MVP. Uh, congratulations to the city of Orlando, uh, another champion in its midst in JP Acosta. Uh, congratulations to you, Rachel, uh, and congratulations to all human beings. How about that? Um, so as we leave, JP, please tell us something you promised to eat this week. It could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Something I've promised to eat is pizza. I'm a big pizza guy. We're going to have some pizza this week. Well done.